Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Ocal, here with you every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcasts as well. The NHL on ESPN YouTube. Greg Wyshynski, is Alex Ovechkin okay? You know, no Arda, Do we I... need to check on him? Do we need to, like, give him a call? Do we need to give him a hug? What's going on here? <laughs> it's, we, we, need, we need to go on WebMD and look up Ovechkin and see exactly what's going on here. We've done the research. Uh, Alex is not okay, man. Alex Ovechkin has now gone 10 games without a goal uh, through Sunday, matching the longest stretch of his career going goalless. He's on pace to finish with just 16 goals this season, Arda. What? What? His previous career low in an 82-game season? Why, that was 32 goals in 2010-2011. So, dude, my dude. We are in some dire straits right now with Alex Ovechkin. What is going on, Arda, with Alex Ovechkin? Okay, so so let's let that sink in first. 16 goals. So yeah. in the last several years, as we've talked about Alex Ovechkin, we've always talked about 40, 50, possibly 60 goal seasons. That has yeah. been the vibe of the conversation. And ever since we really honed in, on the Gretzky chase, the great chase, as we are calling it, as he's calling it, actually. I think he trademarked that. <laughs> uh, we haven't even fathomed a situation like this. Yeah. This seems so foreign, so so like out of the realm of possibility to us that we may see a regression of this caliber from the greatest goal scorer in NHL history. So... The first place I look at, and we'll get into the stats one by one here, Wish, but obviously when you only score one power play goal yeah. so far in the season, and when the team's power play is performing at an awful clip, that's certainly going to hurt the numbers for yeah, Alex yeah. Ovechkin. But it's more than that. It, well, it is, but, but let's focus on that for a second. And by the way, you're completely right. I don't think any of us that were looking at Alex Ovechkin chasing Wayne Gretzky would assume that Alex Ovechkin would stop scoring goals. <laughs> like This is not something yeah. that we accounted yeah. for in our math. Um, <laughs> the Caps power play through Sunday was the worst in the league, which again is incredible when you think about the fact the Capitals are third in the Metropolitan Division. There is absolutely no way. Well, first of all, I didn't think there was a chance they were going to contend this year. There was certainly no way they were going to contend with the worst power play in the league. That's for sure. But they have it. 8.2% through Sunday. Now, they struggled to, to gain the zone. Um, and Alex Ovechkin is such an engine for that power play. That's obviously one of the main reasons why it's not been successful. Uh, he has currently a 2.94% shooting percentage on the power play. Okay, He's only been under 12% shooting percentage on the power play one time in his career. So this is... Not a historic low for Alex Ovechkin. This is like rewriting the rules for bad for Alex Ovechkin <laughs> on the power play. Now, there is one interesting analytic that I looked at vis-a-vis -vis Ovi on the power play. Now, when we watch the Capitals and Ovechkin on the power play, what do we usually see? Are we see Ovechkin in the Ovi spot? He's in that spot in the circle. They get him the puck. He fires the puck. The goalie goes, ah! And then the puck goes behind them, and it's another power play goal for Alex Ovechkin. Well, there's an interesting quirk in his stats this year on the power play. Uh, Alex Ovechkin right now, his high danger scoring chances on the power play are the highest that they've been in nine seasons. So what that's telling you 
is that his scoring chances in the power play are coming from places that are a little bit closer than where the OV spot is, which tells you that either there's been some augmentation of their approach to the power play or Ovi himself is kind of changing up his tactics a little bit because the Ovi spot's not working to the tune of 2.94% shooting percentage in the power play. So that's an, there's something going on in the power play that's a little bit different for Ovechkin. I'm not quite sure why. I would love to know if that shot, if that, I mean, it's a tried and true method, if that's just something that he's not, is his comfort level lower? I mean, I remember asking Rick DiPietro about it. Like, we know it's coming. It's happening. He does it all the time. He's been doing it for years. Why does it continue to work? Right. And he simply said, it's just the force of the shot and the 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 quickness at which it approaches you. So it just, like, even though a goaltender is clearly, it's obvious the goaltender knows what's going to happen, it's still difficult to... Uh, save and difficult to anticipate because well not anticipate but difficult to accept because it's just such a forceful shot and he's just so good at it yeah Yeah. so I wonder if something has changed specifically mechanically from that does he feel slower like it's just interesting yeah I mean age is is not a number when it comes to these players and and may in fact even catch up with the Russian machine now you mentioned the shots we should say that his shot attempts, his scoring chances, his high danger chances per 60 at five on five per natural stat trick, they're all higher than they were last season. So he's still putting pucks on net, still getting his shot attempts. What's not higher is his shooting percentage, which is 11.11 at five on five. That would be his lowest since 2016, 2017. At some point, we have to discuss the elephant in the room, which is luck. And how bad it might be for a guy who traditionally has been one of the greatest volume shooters with a great shooting percentage, maybe of all time. Um, So something's gone awry here. I am intrigued to see if it's mechanical. I am intrigued to see if it's if it's uh, age catching up with him. But also, Arda, I'm also intrigued to find if the weight of history is finally kind of he's feeling it on his shoulders. I mean, we are talking about him chasing one of the most heralded records in professional sports history. Okay. There was a moment in recent history when we were thinking of the Capitals as simply a vessel for which Ovechkin can break this record. Uh, If he had scored based on his scoring average of goals last season, uh, he would have needed just another 122 games to break the record at the beginning of this season. Uh, If he had scored based on his career average, he would have needed 122 games. So 127 based on the averages last year, 122 based on his career averages. Based on his pace this season, okay, he would need 340 more games to break Gretzky's record. And that would put him into the 2027-28 season. Um, Arda, are you a little worried about him breaking the record at this point? A little more than I was at the start of the season. How old would he be then? Like 44, 45? I mean, I, he'd, some, he'd something. He, he would be like, yeah, this would be like Chris Chelios level. Like I'm still playing, or Gordy Howe level. I'm still playing professional hockey at this level just to literally chase this record. Um, yes, I am a little worried. But I also wonder, the team's doing great. The system's like, obviously there's things that need to be tweaked and changed. But I wonder if it's like, 
Maybe Ovi's just buying into whatever the, is working for the Capitals right now. I mean, they are getting stellar goaltending too. We have to mention that. They, so. they, they are. And and that's where it kind of gets a little intriguing is that, you know, our perception of what the Capitals are, like I said, was that they were an older team. They're keeping these guys around to keep Ovechkin happy. Uh, they weren't a team that necessarily was going to look to the next thing until Ovechkin was no longer a part of the organization. But here they are under Spencer Carberry, third in, in the Metro, yeah. playing pretty good, winning games, getting good goaltending. And and I've often heard about Ovechkin. This is even going back to when he was a younger player. I actually was just talking to Chris Clark, who was a teammate of Ovechkin's way back in the early years, even before the Rock the Red era uh, really took hold <laughs> in Washington. And he was telling me that like one of the misconceptions of Ovechkin is that he was out for personal glory, that he was a stats guy, that he was an individual looking for the big goal total. And at the end of the day, Clark said, nothing mattered more to this guy than winning. Nothing mattered more than the success. And I mean, you could see that through the years when he was winning MVPs and winning Richard trophies and, and the Capitals were going out in the second round of the Penguins each time and, and how much he hated it. And so I am. I wonder if you could climb into this guy's head to really figure out, okay, the goals aren't coming for you. The Gretzky thing is getting a little bit harder to conceive right now because of your scoring pace, but you're relevant. Like the caps are relevant. Like they're winning games. How does he feel about his current lot? Given the fact that the team is succeeding, even if he isn't. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. I feel like at the point we are now though, like even him like trademarking, uh, you know, sayings around yeah. the record. Obviously, you have to be surrounded by the hype and you have to be consumed by it. So, and and I would say his teammates are thinking about it too, as much as they may not, as much as it's a team game, crest in the front, not name in the back. Like everyone's thinking of this. So, I, 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 final point from me on this to your point, I think that this is just a regression, but it comes back. I think we come back to his prominent ways at some point i think this is just a blip on the radar that's where i'm landing i mean on this. i hope it does um for purely selfish reasons which is that not only was i looking forward to ovechkin breaking gretzky's record so i can say that i watched that guy play like i yes i'm a lot younger when gretzky was putting up his biggest goal goal totals i, I don't even think i could watch the games because they were on like I had sports channel when I was a kid and we never got West coast games when I was a kid. So like, I never got to see Gretzky in his prime. I got to see Ovi. I covered Ovi as a rookie. Like I I've been here for the full ride I, from a selfish perspective. I want to say that I was there to see him be the guy that, that came through this league and broke the record, but also from a hockey fan perspective, few and far between are the moments let me rephrase that, Arda. The positive moments in which yeah. hockey breaks through the bubble and the mainstream mainstream sports fan, the non-sports fan, when they all pay attention to what's happening in our game. And Gretzky, the Gretzky record falling to Ovechkin is like the Ripken record. It's like the yes. home run chase. Like it is one of those once in a lifetime moments where everyone would be an all in on the NHL and, and hockey and Ovechkin and like, as a hockey fan, selfishly, I was looking forward to that in a very big way. So get scoring those goals, buddy. Get back that, on that, it. Come when on. He's, when he's like 15 or 10 goals away, that the hype level of like the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, yeah. it'll be there for sure. Um, here's my random segue into what we're talking about next. Uh, the Capitals played the Rangers recently. It was the Lindgren Bowl. Uh, one of the funniest brothers pictures on the ice ever. Charlie Lindgren looks completely disinterested. 
is just such a funny picture. Uh, but uh, speaking of goaltenders, let's talk about the Rangers because Jonathan Quick uh, is what, what did you call it in our pre-production meeting? The quickening? The quickening. So uh, this will be one of two Highlander references on the show. <laughs> just, for, just for some foreshadowing. All right. Uh, the sequel to the movie Highlander, which, of course, you guys all know is Christopher Lambert as an immortal Scotsman. Uh, so uh, it was called The Quickening. And uh, as the movie critic Roger Ebert once said, the quickening in the movie is uh, two people stand on a puddle and lightning happens is basically what it is. I don't want to explain it. It's super boring and dumb, terrible movie as well. But it's a great phrase for what is happening right now with Jonathan Quick. The quickening is happening. Uh, the man is on fire for the Rangers. 8-0-1 this season. Uh, he beat his old team, the LA Kings. Arda, are we watching the comeback player of the year in the National Hockey League? If he continues this, absolutely. And it's crazy that we're talking about any goaltender with the Rangers other than Igor Shesterkin. So you have to give Jonathan Quick a lot of credit here. Uh, and, and he's contributing greatly to the Rangers' success, and they are consistently at the top of the league. So incredible incredible yeah, absolutely incredible and they're um, playing so much better in front of him than to church yes. i don't know what's happening there but um, uh but good on jonathan quick i mean like this guy was a spare part player for the vegas golden knights last year earned a cup ring let's you know the no, that's no small accomplishment um but i mean after the kings cut bait they sent him to the blue jackets that lasts for 25 minutes and then he's off to the, the golden knights and i don't think anybody thought that he was going to be nearly as effective as he's been this year so good on good on quick good on the rangers for making a shrewd decision in a league where everybody's looking for goalies they found one and it ended yep. up being jonathan quick very quickly haha before we move on to our next topic i will always remember that i always love to know what the uh sequence of events the order is when the stanley cup is passed around <laughs> what the, that respect level right i will always know now that Jonathan Quick, as the seasoned veteran on that roster, uh, raised the Stanley Cup before Aiden Hill, who was the, <laughs> the goaltender of record for the playoff run. It's insane. I don't know why and, and he, he's, an LA, he's an L.A. King legend, no less. Like one of the yeah. two main rivals of the <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights. So, yeah, uh, what, a, what a weird situation anyway. that was. Um, uh, a scary moment on the ice, Dylan Larkin, uh, the Red Wings star, was motionless on the ice after initial hit from Senators forward Matthew Joseph. With the momentum carrying the Red Wings forward into Ottawa's Parker Kelly, he was able to get up. He head towards the locker room. Uh, but the fallout of this wish saw David Perron earn an in-person hearing from the Department of Player Safety for cross-checking Ottawa Senators defenseman Artem Zub. That happened immediately afterwards. Uh, uh, he chose to take the meeting by Zoom. Uh, but this whole entire sequence, uh, what do we make of it? Yeah, I mean, first off, prayers up for Perron, for uh, for uh, rather for Larkin, who like is having an incredible season. Is you know a a pivot point for how good the Red Wings have been, and and you can see why Perron reacted the way he did when he sees his teammate down. He's just looking to get any level of retribution whatsoever because he doesn't understand the dynamics. He doesn't hasn't seen the replay or anything like that. So. By the time you hear this podcast, you'll know what the suspension is for David Perron. My sense uh, for, from the Department of Player Safety is that it's going to be between six and nine games. Obviously, if it's an in-person hearing, we know it's going to be at least six, unless there's something in the hearing that comes out where they decide to go lower than that. 
Um, but you, but typically when it's an in-person, it's going to be six or more. I don't think it's going to be double digits. I'd be surprised if you're listening to this and it ends up being double digits. Um, but the one thing to take away from the suspension is that um, the NHL stresses to its players that uh, it doesn't matter if you're in the heat of the moment. There's no like crime of passion <laughs> uh, exemption for players when it comes to suspensions um, in the videos that they give to players before the season, they are pretty explicit in saying that their actions are not excused uh, if it's a retribution act against an illegal act by an opponent. So they're pretty clear that what Perron did can't be done. Um, so although, you know, we all kind of like relate to the idea of you see your teammate, your buddy, your star player go down and he's motionless on the ice you're just going to start going after whoever you can. I think we'd all probably react in a human way in that moment, the same way that Perron did, maybe not stick to the head, but something. And so um, it's pretty clear from the NHL that you can't do that. And that you can't use that as an excuse in the trial or the hearing either. So um, we'll see. You'll know what he got by now, but that's kind of the way we see it uh, as the hearing is happening uh, the afternoon of this taping. To another topic in the NHL now, the Edmonton Oilers. My goodness, have they refound their wagon status? <laughs> they have won seven straight to get to 500. A big matchup Tuesday night on ESPN, Connor versus Connor, the Connor Bowl for the first time in the NHL, the Oilers and the Blackhawks. But I couldn't help but think of the Edmonton Oilers uh, in the last few days, Wish. Uh, as we saw one of the biggest superstar athletes in history change teams, <laughs> I'm talking about Shohei Otani <laughs> signing his groundbreaking $700 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. This made you think of the Oilers. Yes, it did. Okay, go we'll get to that in a second. Speak on that. <laughs> okay, so obviously the Oilers and the Angels, I guess the, the last iteration of the Angels will forever be connected having the two best superstars in their respective league, but okay. complete team futility and lack of success, All right. uh, leading those superstars to wonder if they should go to greener pastures elsewhere yeah. if they can't reverse the fortunes. Now, Otani, obviously a different situation. It's going to be a couple years before McDavid and Dreisaitl become free agents, but Otani decided he needed to go elsewhere. He goes to a team that's already a contender, by the way. Uh, and can I just vent for a second? I know we're Please. not a baseball podcast, okay, no, Wish? Go ahead. But I need to vent because Please. as many people know, I am born and raised in the beautiful city of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, and they were pulled into this entire mess the day before Otani made his announcement that he would be joining the Dodgers. There was a glimmer of hope wish that Otani could quite possibly cross the border north and join the Toronto Blue Jays. There was uh, trackers of certain jets that were flying in the air from Anaheim to Toronto and Toronto fans got their hopes up as they usually do. And as is the expected outcome for Toronto fans wish their hopes got dashed. And not only did they get dashed wish they got dashed in part by one of their own. 
And I'm talking about Shark Tank legend Robert <laughs> Herjavec, whose apparent jet was the one that was in the air and it had nothing to do with Otani at all. Robert Herjavec is from Toronto. He is one of us. He is from the beautiful city. And for him to be complicit in this entire web of lies hurts, man. My heart is broken in a thousand pieces. Okay? I can't believe that this would be the situation we find ourselves in as Toronto sports fans. This first of all, first unbelievable. of all, there's a great story in the Wall Street Journal about uh, Herjavec, and they, they talk to him about what happened with the plane. And there's an anecdote where the border agents came on the plane when it landed in Toronto. And they literally were saying, is he here? Is he here? Where is he? Looking for Otani on the plane. And that just broke my heart to hear how excited everybody in that city was that he was on that plane. But unfortunately, Shohei Otani looked at the Toronto Maple Leafs and said, I like you. I like your product, but I'm sorry. I'm out. Um, here's Thanks. the other thing about Toronto in this situation. You know, I, I feel bad because it's become kind of a dunking on Toronto thing, which Leafs fans who listen to this podcast will know uh, pretty well. Uh, John Heyman of the New York Post is a baseball writer, and he wrote, reality is reality. The Jays are a fine team and organization. They've made the playoffs three of the last five years. Toronto is a beautiful city, too. But for non-hockey sports, there's a small-time feel to the place. Now, first of all, congrats to the Leafs. That means you're big time. But <laughs> Toronto is a sports city. Despite the, the success of the Raptors, the legacy of the Blue Jays, what's happening whenever there's a big event in that town, a small-time feel for the place, Arda. How do you feel about that as a native Toronto? Wasn't it two and a half million people at the parade when the Raptors won the championship? Small time feel. Give me a break. All right. Here's it's, because, the it's literally because it's in another country. That's why. That's why. Exactly. Here's here's the question for you, though. So you, you've, you've broached the topic. You've tap danced around it a little bit. Mm. The idea of the, the, the uh, Anaheim Angels uh, with two generational talents and Trout and Otani being like the Edmonton Oilers and two genera generational talents in McDavid and Dreisaitl. And the question is, does the idea of a megastar joining a championship contending team cause a ripple effect in other sports? Does McDavid look at Otani and say, my God, I should be that guy. Honestly, it's obviously every athlete is seeing this. It's hard to ignore, but I do think this is like it, that scene in inception where the, the, the top is just spinning over and over and over again. Like the thought <laughs> is in the head of all, all every superstar athlete that it, it's it, it. This goes back to the whole, if Gretzky can get traded, everyone can, everyone get, can traded. get traded. Right. Yeah. I think Shohei Otani showing that he has the desire to win and has decided that he cannot do so with his current team and going to what he perceives to be greener pastures if we see a headline that says Connor McDavid leaves Oilers, teases joining Leafs, but decides on another cup contender, Toronto and shambles, I would not be surprised whatsoever. I got it. Uh, because I I believe that. And here's the other thing, Wish. You you know it. I know it. We've talked about it on this podcast. That rope is not very long anymore for the Oilers. That window is closing for for tolerance of 
what they can accept in the playoffs. If Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl don't make it to the Stanley Cup final in short order, if I were one of those two athletes, I would be looking elsewhere. Man. Seven games in a row, they get to 500, and Ardo Cal just dumps a dumpster of garbage on the Edmonton fan base. Hey, good job getting back to relevance this season, boys. <laughs> By the way, McDavid's the new Otani, and he's leaving. <laughs> I'm just I'm just salty at this. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe my emotions are getting the better of me. All right. I'm very Speaking salty at this whole Otani thing. Speaking of McDavid, uh, Tuesday night. It is Connor Bedard versus Connor McDavid, the Battle of the Connors for the first time as the Oilers host the Blackhawks. And I had a chance to speak with Connor McDavid before the season about training with Bedard and now being one of the NHL's old guys. We now have players who will be entering the league this season who say they grew up watching you. Mm. How do you feel? <laughs> Certainly makes me feel a little bit older. Uh, we got to spend some time this summer up at Gary uh, Gary Roberts' gym, um, training with Connor Bedard and stuff like that. And you know, watching him go through uh, the draft and the whole process was definitely bringing me back to to, to 2015 and uh, my whole experience there. So um, it's a uh, it's a cool thing. Um, definitely means that uh, you've you've done some good things in the league, but definitely means you've been in the league for for a couple of years at least. Let's talk about Bedard for a second. I know you guys did hang out a bit at the BioSteel camp. You talked about that uh, recently. Um, what, what were some of the, the pieces of advice that you gave him and the chances you had to speak with him about the process he's going through now? Yeah, you know what? I don't. I, I, uh, there's not much of that kind of stuff going on. Um, you know, he's uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He knows what it's all about. He knows what he's he knows what he's there to do. Um, there's nothing that uh, needs to come from me. Have you seen the famed Bedard shot yet, live? He shoots it well. There's no doubt about it. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Big thanks to Connor McDavid for joining Greg Wyshynski before the season started, and therefore joining us here on the drop. So we talked a little bit about McDavid. Why don't we talk about the other Connor in this equation Tuesday night on ESPN? Connor Bedard uh, having a fantastic rookie season, wish. He's, he is having a fantastic rookie season, and you know m myself and Ryan Clark collaborated on a story on ESPN.com you could read where we look at Connor Bedard's rookie season vis-a-vis -vis the rookie seasons of other generational talents and what are the similarities, what are the, the differences. McDavid himself had some interesting talks about the idea of the hype of it all, how to handle it, uh, the fact that you're going to every town and, and you are the focal point and you know, everybody in the arena is kind of crowded to one side so they can watch you during warmups and things like that. And and it seems like Bedard has really handled that part of it pretty well. The other part of Bedard's game that I find interesting, though, and, and uh, Dom from The Athletic recently had some rookie rankings that made a lot of people nutty because he had Bedard ninth among rookies. And his contention wow. was Bedard didn't play enough defense. And when I think about that, I think about going back to our original discussion on the show today about Ovechkin. Uh, Chris Clark told me a story about how Glenn Hanlon, the head coach of the Capitals, tried to get Ovechkin to play defense. Because when Ovechkin came up, defense was not something he was all that interested in. Uh, and maybe that's the same thing for Bedard. I think Bedard, obviously, you know, is not someone who's chasing 60 goals, uh, but he, he's a young player. And sometimes the offense is going to be a little bit ahead of the defense. So the lesson to be learned for any young star in this league that maybe is used to putting the pedal down offensively and not defensively is 
Defense will get you more offense. That was the lesson Hanlon tried to drill into Ovechkin. Hey, if you go back to get that puck and you are skating back the other way, you're going to have a lot more runway to get around those guys than if you're just kind of standing still and waiting for the puck at the blue line. So maybe the lesson to be learned for Bedard at some point, if he is struggling defensively and the numbers show that he's not been great at it, is defense leads to offense, kids. So play him a little bit more D. In honor of the Connor Bowl on ESPN on Tuesday, we decided to make a special themed power ranking. We love to do the power rankings every week here on The Drop. We decided to make it a Connor theme, the all-Connor edition of the power rankings. What are we doing exactly? Exactly what the name suggests. We are ranking the Connors in the NHL. If your name is Connor, you are eligible for this list. That's it. That is all that is required. Your name just needs to be Connor, and you need to be active in the NHL. So uh, here's our top five. Go ahead. <clears throat> Number five uh, might be a surprise to some. I'm going to go with Connor Zary. What? I believe the Calgary Flames, this is a sneaky one. I think the Calgary Flames and their fans are very happy uh, with Connor Zary and his output so far in his young NHL career. I think that much like other Connor rookies, uh, there's a lot of not as much, but still some hype coming into his NHL career, and he has performed well so far. He's one of those that fans are saying, oh, I can't wait to see him in his final form, and he is already making big contributions. So with apologies to Connor Ingram, I think Connor Zary makes my top our top five. Connor Clifton in shambles right now as well. Uh, number four for us is Connor Bedard for obvious reasons. I mean, he is a goal-scoring machine as a rookie. He's going to be one of the league's brightest stars. It is a matter of when, not if, he leads the Blackhawks back to relevance and prominence. Connor Bedard, number four, obviously not as established a career as our top three Connors, Arda. Number three, we took a little bit of liberties here, but I'm going Kyle Connor, the silent but deadly uh, goal scorer of the NHL. We don't talk about him enough, uh, maybe because uh, we don't talk about the Winnipeg Jets enough, and that's on us. Uh, and that actually uh, will dovetail into another player on this list. But Kyle Connor, someone that deserves a larger spotlight. Uh, he is an epic goal scorer in the NHL and certainly worthy of being directly in the middle of our Connor rankings. Yeah, hopefully in the lineup for them, they need him. And uh, I guess for this ranking, he'll be known as Connor, Kyle. Uh, the other one from the Jets, obviously number two on our list, Connor Hellebuck. Uh, a very good chance that man will be the starting goaltender for the U.S. men's Olympic team in 2026 going to Italy. He will proudly wear a gold medal around his neck and he will look up teary-eyed at the flag as it's raised to the rafters after the U.S. wins gold. We need a rule on this podcast that we just don't mention international competition. Uh, as a Canadian, I take offense to this. Well, I mean, the I rule, the rule that you, you need not to, not to mention international competition that involves goaltending. Yes, uh, Because correct. that's really... <laughs> That's right. That's really the the scab I'm going to keep picking on you, you dumb Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. We've got more goalies than we know what to do with for 2026. Uh, luckily, a Canadian leads our list, obviously, Connor McDavid at number one for obvious reasons. So uh, it's established that McDavid is the king of the Connors in the NHL right now. But Greg Wyshynski, how does he compare to every other Connor <laughs> on earth? <laughs> I'm glad you asked the question 
because we also decided to rank every Connor in general. Of course. Because why wouldn't we, fair drop listener? Why wouldn't we do this? Okay. This is this is real this is alive or dead, real or fiction, yeah. Connors. Take take the first two. So we're gonna start at five and sure. we'll go down to one. So this, every Connor is eligible in All the right. entire world. Number five, Connor McLeod, the aforementioned Highlander, the only immortal being on this list. <laughs> I mean, McDavid might be immortal, but we'll see. That's yet to be proven. Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor. Again, a little bit of a cheat, but, you know, just past iconic Supreme Court justice in the United States of America. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, number four on the Connor ranking. Number three is Connor Roy from the hit show Succession. <laughs> Connor Roy got ahead of Sandra Day O'Connor? Yeah, somehow, <laughs> some way, Connor Roy made it, ran for president. He's the eldest Roy child. I mean, still he, the most he, irrelevant. I mean, listen, there is some dispute as to whether he is the eldest son because uh, I, I believe oh, other right. Roy's. Kendall claimed uh, he is, of course, the eldest son. So Yes, that's right. Uh, also the most irrelevant, though. Even when he's, that's the best part, is he's running for president. He's still the most irrelevant child. <laughs> uh great show by the way if you haven't watched it uh it's absolutely wonderful uh who's number two number two we have to go with connor mcdavid now uh-huh. mcdavid again better than an immortal scotsman better than a supreme court justice better than a third party candidate <laughs> for the presidency on succession uh not no no shame in being number two on this list because arda you have a passionate choice for number one. I, I feel like this might be a unanimous choice for many people, uh, especially those who love uh, braggadocious, grandiose, superstar name value. If you love combat sports, uh, Conor McGregor would be your number one on the list. Uh, he's got I, a patented walk. He's got a patented style. Yeah, uh, he's he's one of those that you just cannot ignore. Yeah, and so uh, for that reason, he will top the Conor list. Out. I was trying to figure out how I felt about this because obviously as a hockey fan, I want McDavid to be number one, but I thought about it in these terms. If Connor McDavid met Connor McGregor and maybe it's already happened, but if he met Connor McGregor, I think he would be very impressed by that. If Connor McGregor met Connor McDavid, I don't think he'd be as impressed. (laughs) So I think Mm. by virtue of that, Connor McGregor gets to be number one on the list. That's a that's a great way to look but at it. But we should say a cheat Although, though. We should say a cheat. One N. He is a one N Connor. We we drew the line at mm, whether you are an ER at the end, Connor. Yeah. But a one N Connor is still eligible to be number one. Yeah. And also we also took liberties with Connor as a last name. So we sure allowed did. the one N. I will say this. Uh, clips do exist of Connor McGregor talking with hockey players, being impressed with how they fight on the ice. There so you go. Not that he would discuss that with Connor McDavid per se, but yeah. still, like yeah. there, there, there is that appreciation at least in some form of hockey from Connor McGregor, um, who tops our list of Connors on Earth at the moment. So, there you go. Congratulations to Mystic Mac, you've done it. Uh, congratulations to you for reaching the end of our podcast. Thank you very much for listening and supporting us. Uh, we appreciate it greatly remembered every tuesday and thursday wherever you get your podcasts and the nhl and espn youtube which means we will see you on thursday bye